This episode has strong language that's not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Fabbington Rex Musicology and the Carolina Kid Podcast Network, where music nerdery is served with a side of ratchet. I'm your host, Dad Boy Coop. This episode is brought to you by Toe Jam and Pussy Bacon. Subscribe to the Carolina Kid Podcast Rewired and its other spawn anywhere podcasts are downloaded. Following the Rod and Karen Doctrine, leave a nice five-star review on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts slash Spotify, and I'll read it on the show. Also, leave me a voice message and donate on anchor.fm slash datboycoot. That's anchor.fm slash D-A-T-B-O-Y-C-O-O-T. What's up, niggas? We bike. And um, you know what? I feel like this has been a review that has taken me forever to do. This is almost a four-year fucking deal for me. <laughs> like, it's been four years in the making, me uh, trying to just get to this and do it and, 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 and give this person their flowers. So, um, I don't know if you may have heard my last episode, um, but I had, honestly, this year, Musicology, I've been doing spotlights, I've been do cla- doing classic album reviews, giving people their flowers, because I think the life expectancy in hip-hop is extremely short, and I think a lot of people are just, like, they're dropping, they're gone, like, they're, they're out of here. When I saw Dave pass, that shit fucked me up, <laughs> okay? Because I'm sitting here like a person who's a fan of De La Soul, a person who loves their music, a person who equally thinks that Paz the Noose and, and, and Dave like sparred with each other, but healthily, like, and they were technicians, you know? And when people like that pass, it's like you're sitting here saying like, oh man, well, this person was, or this person, you know, had a great career. Man, let's talk about people who are still here. They may not be getting the flowers they receive, or they may not have been talked about currently, but let's talk about them now. You know, and and, and we have to make sure that we give them love right now because they have created a beautiful tapestry that is hip-hop, right? And I'm here to talk about one of the more underrated MCs, in my opinion, Honestly, through underground, through just a little tidge smidge of mainstream, Pharaoh Monch. Pharaoh Monch, to me, was, you know, he was part of that whole raucous movement, right? The whole raucous era, right? Um, and it's, it's weird because when we talk about his debut album, Internal Affairs, it's a lot of crazy shit that happens that leads to almost a mysterious kind of, or a mystique, if you will, related to kind of how this album existed, 
for a long time as a person who was an underground head a person who was in their early 30s i was not a person who actually had access to the initial print of internal affairs i knew that internal affairs existed but i could not i could not get it i could not have access to it so what ended up happening was i just kind of you know the, the Honestly, it was a myth. It was a myth. It, it, so let's talk about the whole kind of let's start with Feral March first and then we'll get into the whole mystique of the album itself, Internal Affairs. So Feral March. Feral March <laughs> is an amazing, amazing lyrical, like just genius. So. Feral Munch, Troy Donald Jameson, born Halloween 1972, better known by his stage name Feral Munch is American rapper known for his complex lyrics, intricate delivery, and internal and multisyllabic rhyme schemes. That is a perfect depiction of what Feral Munch is. So if you're not familiar with his earlier days, Feral Munch was from the group Organized Confusion, which I think was groundbreaking. This is in the time of tribe, a tribe called Quest. Like, low in theory, you know, Midnight Marauders era tribe called Quest. You know, Organized Confusion, great production, just ama like amazing shit with Prince Poe, right? They even kind of had, like, I'm not saying that this, this is a copycat or anything, but when they listed production credits, they credited the group instead of individuals. And that's something that Q-Tip did a lot. Um, and it, it's something that you would even notice <laughs> um, with Mob Deep, right? Mob Deep, you know, Shook Ones, classic song. It's, it says that it's produced in the credits by Mob Deep. So it, it, it's an interesting kind of look and take it kind of how, like, keep the group the group. You know, we're not individualizing anybody. But I'm going to be real with you. <laughs> Feral Munch, the production on this album definitely echoes that he has not only a producerial ear, but just an amazing way to flow over beats that is one of a kind. So, A, Feral Munch was signed to Rockets Records, right? He's, he's, he was on Sound Bombing 2, classic fucking classic fucking compilation if i had to say like there's a hip-hop compilation that i think everyone needs to listen to it's sound bombing too <laughs> it, it's sound bombing too um but 1999 right internal affairs was released i was seven years old <laughs> i was seven years old so think about this i ain't even know about this shit like that however when you're a kid that watches film and 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 understand like hey or you you listen to the radio that's kind of at that time. That's that's what that's the only way you can get to these mediums, right? So I hear this this amazing sample. And you lie. What the hell is this? <laughs> that was Simon Says, and I heard it on. Believe it or not, believe it or not, Charlie's Angels, because Charlie's Angels soundtrack was actually fucking banging. Um, I heard it there, so I was like, man, this shit is amazing. 
So I'm like, bro, what is this? <laughs> you know, and all of a sudden, it's gone. The song is gone. <laughs> the song is nowhere to be found. <laughs> the song is gone forever, <laughs> essentially. And you're like, well, why is this? So, it became a hit single, right? Simon Says became a hit single, right? It was number 97 on the Billboard Hot 100. Despite its success, it caused a lot of controversy. And you're like, why would it cause a lot of controversy? Um, Munch was sued <laughs> for using an unauthorized sample from Akira Ifukube's Gojira Tai Masura, the theme song to 1992's Godzilla vs. Mothra. And this not only halted the song <laughs> being available or released, this halted the album being distributed. So basically, the album is no more. Like, basically, they're not printing the shit no more. You can't buy it no more. They basically took it away. No more. Like, imagine your album being released, and they're like, nope, can't even release it no more. Can't even, can't even let you buy it no more. What? That's fucking crazy. First time I ever seen, like, an album being pulled because of one song sample. Crazy. Almost overkill to me. And don't get me wrong, like, Internal Affairs had a lot of samples on it. And it has some pretty big samples. Like, when you look at, like, the sample listings, like, the all the samples up there, you like, this some big-ass samples. <laughs> these, some, these some real notable samples. But that one basically derailed the trajectory of this album ever really seeing any kind of grace. So, <laughs> album's gone for, like, I don't know, 19 years. <laughs> <laughs> Like, 19 years, that shit is gone. <laughs> I remember you could go to Fat Beats and buy the Simon Says single, but that I don't think that was a real press. I don't think that was a real press. Um, I used to go to Fat Beats and buy a lot of shit that niggas was like, hey, we doing these little bootleg presses. You can, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Shit like the white labels and shit. But, um, yeah, that I just never. So, as a, as a kid... Um, the first full album I ever listened to from Pharaoh Mancha was actually Desire, which I would put as his second best album. Um, you know, had some production from a lot of people on there. And I really, I really loved his like mixture of gospel, um, melodic elements, um, just just very innovative in a way where you're like, man, he's saying edgy shit, but he's also incorporating all of these elements that are that are very they work really well together. So, you know, I was like, man, I hadn't heard internal affairs like all the way through, right? So I was like, man, so 2019, 20th anniversary of this album. They put it back on streaming services. And I'm like, oh shit, internal affairs. I have never listened to this album all the way through. Think about this, y'all. I was seven when it came out. Came out the same year that um, Slim Shady LP came out. So put that into perspective. Also, there's a lot of similarities to me to that album, but Pharaoh kind of did his own thing, right? Pharaoh does his own thing. Eminem does his own thing. They're released the same year. One Slim Shady LP is actually released, I believe, that February. And um, this album's released that October, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, um, 
yeah, that was <laughs> uh, pretty close time-wise. But the production was on point on this album. You know what I'm saying? Like, and the lyrics are just absolutely mind-numbingly crazy good. And um, I will say there's one song that is it, it's going to take some explaining. <laughs> I'll say there's one song that takes explaining, but we'll go through the track list right after this. Poof, niggas. Nuggets. So, um, let's talk about quickly about Faramanch's technique and kind of his whole like <laughs> inspirational ass like levels of uh, awesomeness that he brings to this technique. So, um, Kumo D ranked him as number twenty six in his best MCs of all time, um, and it's from the book "There's a God on the Mic," um, and he noted this. Feralmont is like an eloquent linguist professor moonlighting as a rhyme serial killer terrorist challenging the listener's IQ while daring him or her to keep up. Shit. <laughs> that sounds deadly. <laughs> but but think about this. Think about this. A person that rhymes like he rhymes has asthma. He has asthma. As a person who definitely <laughs> probably has undiagnosed asthma, I'm sitting here like, huh? So, when he was 13 months old, he was diagnosed with chronic asthma. He developed new and creative ways to deliver his lyrics. That's an amazing thing when you think about how breath control works. Like, he is a technician in that way where, hey, I found out ways to really keep my breath control at an amazing rate while having asthma. You niggas don't have an excuse. Yeah, yeah. So, a person like Feral Munch, um, when you like, if you've never heard Internal Affairs and you're listening to how he's rapping, you're like, how is this nigga even like? How does this nigga have asthma? That 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 don't make sense. But I remember him talking about him having asthma back on We Are Renegades, right? And I w- I remember even uh the song We Go Off with F- Fonte off of uh, Charity Starts at Home. I was like, this nigga has asthma. <laughs> what? So, I didn't know that, right? Um, but, yeah. Yeah, he is this fucking diligent and amazing. You know, so, um, hey. Let's talk about the track listing. Let's get into the album. Let's officially review this shit. Because this album has no skippable songs on it. And... Yes, there's even one song that I have to explain further. But uh yeah, you have intro, right? Where he's he's just he's just going the fuck off. Like hard as shit. Like completely just lyrically assassinating this beat that was produced by DJ Scratch. 
And, you know, DJ Scratch does amazing scratches at the end. Very underrated DJ and producer. DJ Scratch, I don't know how this nigga look as young as he look because he seems to get younger. I'm like, I thought I, I saw like a clip from DJ Scratch 20 years ago and I was like, this nigga look younger now. <laughs> but anyway, uh, sidebar. Um, yeah, that intro, he is fucking going off. Um, then you have Behind Closed Doors, which is a, just another amazing lyrical exercise. You know, he, he's just really like... Just demolishing this fucking beat. And so, <laughs> you know, um, let me go to let me go to Rap Genius real quick. So let's see. I talked about behind closed doors, right? So um there's a line I wanted to like say now. So now you getting fucked without the KY jelly. How you made it, you salivated over my calibrated raps that valid that validated my ghetto credibility still. I be packing agilities unseen for a real for real of my killing abilities, unclean facilities. Nigga <laughs> what? Huh? That is so much. <laughs> Monch uses the imagine like the imagery of other rappers drooling in all of his amazing like just rhyme scheme and like just it's like he's lyrical miracle spiritual in your swimming pool. Lyrical spiritual miracle individual in your swimming pool. He is that motherfucker. He is on that level. Yes, I said it. Okay. But he ate what I like about Feral Mods is that he's able to balance it. And he's not at a point where it's like super duper ridiculous overkill. Kind of how I feel like what Eminem is today. It's like, here's the thing there is a greatness right to eminem's early work but there's also a, a point where eminem falls short because i feel like it's overkill it's like you're doing so good it's like you're so good it's 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 disgusting in a bad way but pharaoh munch always toes that line between telling stories singing narratives slowing it down not always being lyrical miracle spiritual in your swimming pool he can show you that but he doesn't have to be that person all the time he can create narratives Create stories, well fleshed out ones, because that is his background. But he also can go hard as fuck on you niggas. Love it. So, <laughs> um, on to the next song. So let's do this. Um, I was on behind closed doors. Let's talk about Queens, cause that's where Pharaoh is from. He's from Southside Queens, right? So in Southside Queens, Queens, Queens. Where if you say the Av, people actually know the path. You don't have to do the math in Southside Queens. So <laughs> he also says his, you know, his fuck hoops got to impress the chicks now. His mama said, Donovan, why are you on the corner of Linden and the and Guy R. Brewer? Right? He said, Mama, listen close. I'm gonna tell you one time. You're killing my high. Plus, I got a nine. What? All I be doing is putting in work so you can put a brand new dress for church. <laughs> or you can get a brand new dress for church. I know the devil lurks outside. Man, it's cold, but I don't want to get paid slow and grow old like Papa. Nigga! <laughs> so basically, he's telling a story about Donovan, right? He's the main protagonist of the story, right? Um, and he's tired of living poor. So <laughs> he turns out the only thing that he knows um, that can get him out of poverty, getting in a drug game, which, of course... Is synonymous with street corners, right? So, you know, when a rapper is talking about a corner, he is referencing to drug dealing, of course. Um, Donovan's mother warns him um, going down this path, but he ignores it. And, you know, she says, or he says he's just killing, you know, she's killing his high. So, instead, he assures her that he's putting in his hard work to help their financial situation. 
That is exactly what that nigga said. That is amazing. He said that much in like two lines and still rhythmically fucking with your brain. Right? It's like Biggie when he says lyrical bushes in your dishes. <laughs> or, or lyrical dishes in your bushes. I said that shit backwards. But yeah. Um, to that level. Right? So... It, it's still amazing to me how he can still rhyme this way, right? He still rhymes like this. If you heard anything like relatively around current <laughs> from him, he still raps like this. And it's, 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 it's a timelessness to his rapping style, but it's not overt in a way, right? He can still tell a story and it makes sense. It's like, you know, when you listen to 151 Rum by like Jid and you like, wow, this dude is like got a crazy fucking flow, but he's telling a story about growing up poor. <laughs> I, I mean, like this is the type of shit that people like him were pioneers of, right? Like, multi-syllabic rapping, but also, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, but there were people before him. You know, I just feel like he expanded on it, right? But there were people before him that, that was doing this. Like, I don't know, like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lot. It's, it's a lot. Cool G rap, you know? Uh, fucking, fucking Big Daddy Kane, you know? You know, hey. Hey, Big L was after him, so I, I can't say that, but, you know, um, yeah, like, he came from the early 90s. Yeah, think about this. He came from 1991. <laughs> so, um, let's talk about the song E-Par Backwards. So, E-Par Backwards, y'all like, oh, Lord, not, not the R word, yes. So, this is a metaphorical song. This has nothing to do with the actual E-Par of a person. This I have to really explain this song because you're like, what the hell you about to talk? So this song he basically uses, hey, I'm eparring this song, right? I'm eparring this song, and he basically uses metaphors that relate to like certain aspects of of things, right? So let, let, let's let's do this. Um, yay. So let's do this. Let's let's talk about. Um, there's no annotations for this, but, um, so basically he says, never waste time. I give the verse rabies, come on the chorus, tell the hook to swallow my babies. He is literally telling, he is literally eparring this song, like eparring the beat. <laughs> oh man. It's, it's a whole metaphor. And like the second verse is even crazy where he's taking the beat to court. <laughs> Because he caught a case from the beat. <laughs> the shit is crazy. It's like so nuts. Like he said, she had the nerve to, and she being the beat, right? Not an actual person. She had the nerve to take the case to court, knowing I epar for sport. Took the stand crying, denying her her whole her whole involvement, lying. Why would I or an ex-cop lie in a sex shop fly? Leaning down, grinning with my coat over my shoulder, sitting. <laughs> so let's say this. The E-par, the beat, right, is now getting to court. This means that the original rapper who wrote the lyric is now upset and starts accusing. The lying cop is the producer or a close person to the involvement of the E-par. You can see that the last line says he's just smiling knowing that his 
judge, the fan base will believe him. Let me tell you something. This song was very hard to like get my head around because I don't think this song aged at all. <laughs> well, let's say that it's a weird one because it it's on such a touchy subject, but it almost has Eminem levels of like obscenity. So basically it's like, Hey, you ain't fucking this beat right. I'm going to do it better. And he likens it to the E-part, which I'm like, nigga, this is, it's, it's a metaphor that like niggas ain't rapping like I do over a beat. You ain't fucking a right. But that shit, he could have just called this shit, you ain't fucking a right, changed a couple lyrics around. It would have been not as controversial. But he used the R word. And I was like, man. Then the second verse is like, we taking them to court. This shit is crazy. <laughs> like, that's this is one of them songs where you're like at a crossroads. Because at that time, saying some crazy shit like that would have been like Eminem levels of unprecedentedness, right? This is the same year, same, same kind of level of craziness. So I'm like, I don't know what to think about this song. So this song is going to be, I don't even want to count this as part of the track list, but the way he's doing it is creative in a way, but it's also very just borderline, very obscene. <laughs> like, it, I always have struggled with this song. <laughs> I've struggled with this song. And maybe this is part of like the, this song was probably part of me taking a long time, honestly, to like review it. And yeah, yeah. It's like when you think about it more and more, you're like, damn, he really just did that. <laughs> he really just did that. But then the next song is Simon Says, and <laughs> there you go. Official has like a dope fucking sample. Um, let me look up what that sample was because... All of the samples are pretty much here in... So, Official does not have a sample that's listed. But, Queen's got a Maxwell sample on it. And it's till the cops come knocking. Which is dope as shit. You know, Behind Closed Doors, Quincy Jones sample. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's all notated here. But, yeah. Hell was a really dope-ass song. <laughs> but, I'll say this about Hell. Like... Both Feral Munch and Cannabis both delivered equally on this song. I was like, man, I ain't heard a good verse from Cannabis probably 20 years. Oh, wait a minute. It's been 20 years. <laughs> That's fucking terrible. But, uh, yeah, he just went toe-to-toe, -to -toe, honestly, with Feral Munch on Hell. And No Mercy is an energetic-ass song. Like, it has MOP. It's produced by The Alchemist. You know, it's... Is is hella fucking energetic. Like I I love this song, um, and it has like this cool like almost like uh ha huh, how would you how would you say um a bit awkward or not even awkward a bit weird ass fucking like orchestral sample in it and I'm like 
I don't think the Alchemist even sounds like this anymore. <laughs> the Alchemist had a different sound back in the day, though. This is like we gonna make it era. You know, <laughs> it's back then. But yeah, um, the next shit has a cool fucking salsa sample with a very high energy Busta Rhymes feature. And the next shit to me is like salsa beat on steroids. That shit is <laughs> the salsa beat on steroids. It's like I'm like nigga, these niggas is rapping the fuck over this salsa beat, and it's fucking dope as shit. <laughs> so it was produced by Pharrell Monch and Lee Stone. Lee Stone was all over this album, by the way. Um, it's a producer, so yeah. Then we get into the raunchier side of things, and the ass with a Pony B fly. <laughs> oh, it's so nasty. <laughs> It's such a nasty song. It's raunchy as shit. It's produced by Diamond D. Um, and literally, you can hear the refrain. The ass. <laughs> the ass. And upon side of the song. The dick. <laughs> the dick. This is the type of song that you're going to get. <laughs> this is very fucking nasty. So, um, and then things slow down when, when we get to the light, right? The light is more of a love song, right? Um, and it's actually the second single off of the album behind Simon Says. And it's it's really like chill, almost like uh, neo-soulish, if you will. Also, like I said, the, produced by Diamond D, right? So, um, yeah, it is, it is that raucous era sound. Um, but, yeah, Godson was like an organized confusion reunion, right? The next song, man. Like, produced by Lee Stone and Pharrell Munch. And, as usual, Prince Poe's verse, man. Golly. Just bar city. Just just fucking maniacal lyrics on top of maniacal-ass lyrics. And then we get to The Truth, which I truly think <laughs> is the last official album track. Right? Um, and it's with Common to Lip Quali. It's also produced by Diamond D with these like really beautiful heart leads with vocals just sustaining in the background. It's it's really a beautiful track. And you know, Fairmont is telling you what the truth is. Common and Talib Quali are kind of telling you more specifically, Common is telling you, like, hey, sometimes I'm still trying to look for the truth. And Talib Kweli, you know, is like, hey, I wish there was more truth. <laughs> That's kind of like the, the concept of the song, right? And, um, yeah, I, I think it's a beautiful ending to the album. I think how this album starts off is like really fucking hard-ass album. It starts out hard as shit to the point where it's like, damn, this might be the litmus test for what I can take. Especially now, like, I think... There are certain themes on this album that may not have aged well, right? But there's only one, I'll say. The E-Par track is where the themes go like, wow, this is Eminem levels of like, maybe this didn't age well. But everything else aged amazingly, beautifully. Like, there are no other songs on here that are that fucking crazy to me, right? But there's like really dark, religious, almost imagery to a sense in certain parts of the beginning. And then... I feel like it gets fun a little bit in the middle still. It, it gets raunchy. And then it gets really introspective, moody, mellow, um, almost lovey-dovey at the beginning of like the end 
third to me. But this album has a lot of really, really great tracks on it. And I think the production is just beautiful. I think a lot of, um, you know, aspects of this album are very um, well thought out, intricate, but also really hard. It's like just real hardcore. And it's unprecedented in a way, right? If you think back to 1999 and think of what type of boundaries he was pushing, it still deserves that classicness, right? It's like when you listen to certain songs, you also think in a context of that time, especially if you were around in that time. It's like, well, back then that shit was probably fucking cutting edge, right? But when you go back and listen to it, the shit still, if it still hits in a way, then I think it lived. I think it lived up to it. So this stays with Broke the Cowbell, man. This is this is still that classic. Most classic albums are going to be Broke the Cowbell, if not all. And a lot of times it's a litmus test for kind of like, has this album aged beautifully? Mine is possibly one song I can't get my mind around, right? But every other song, it's phenomenal. And I'm like, this dude lyrically, miraculously, spiritually is destroying every track. Even that Simon Says remix at the end with Lady Luck and Busta Rhymes and like 10 million other niggas is like a giant fucking posse cut. That has you going like, what the fuck? It's this many niggas? Like, okay, so I'm going to read the list off for you. Pharaoh Munch, Lady Luck, Method Man, fucking Red Man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's a lot of niggas already. Then Sh- Shabam Sadiq, Buster Rhymes. It's a lot of niggas. It's a lot of niggas. song is 6 minutes and 16 seconds. This song is like twice the length of the original. <laughs> and it's just hard as shit Produced by Pharrell Mancha Lee Stone of course it, It's awesome hearing like All these different people who are like Really fucking respected lyricists Just rapping their ass off Lady Luck of course from Jersey Um Honestly She still could rap like this But you know you ain't heard shit else From her since Like you had heard shit from her since But yeah um yeah this album has some really dope samples the fact that it was shelved for one song still gets me but um yeah um that has been the review um if you want to check out any more reviews related to this stay tuned to the carolina kid podcast support black businesses and as always thank you and now folks it's time to say good night we sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Yo, truth had me up against the ropes, semi-conscious without no boxing skills. Fear of it makes hair on my neck grow like monoxidil, watching the clock is ill when faced with the truth parallels observing Amateur videotapes of 21 top notch in my PD cops get ill. Filet minds out the kill, still some never reveal true feelings. We speaking on the truth right now in itself is a healing. See the creator created existence and balance at right angles less than what's conceived and stated. So whoever shall stray away from right lives wrong. The derivative of the word false, opposite of truth, false course. Sure as my slave name's sin then, Troy Donald James. Buenas noches.